Hi there, welcome to the Culture of Life podcast from Human Life International. I'm Tad Wojcik, the Mission Research Specialist, and I'm here with Father Shannon Bouquet, our President. Hello, Tad, good to be with you once more, Tom, one more time. Yes, absolutely. And in this case, we're uh, re-recording a particular episode because uh, we ran into some snags and lost one. So uh, we figured that might be a good reason to do it again because it means we're doing something right here, maybe. <laughs> um, so uh, this is about your article that you wrote, Father, on February 14th, Valentine's Day. Right. Um, and it's actually a very tragic story um, brought to us by the independent journalist Abigail Schreier. And she's talking about a man named Ted, I believe it's Hudatsko, it might be Hudako, I don't know, and uh, a situation with his son. Could you, um, first of all, describe just briefly who Abigail Schreier is, Father, and then... Um, uh, this man and his situation is a pretty tragic one. Sure. Well, as you mentioned, Tad, I mean, uh, Abigail Schreier has been engaged in the conversation or really writing on the issue of transgender ideology now for a number of years and, mm -hmm. and uh, is really kind of bringing this conversation more and more into the light. And uh, so one thing we need to make clear just kind of from the beginning is, you know, Abigail is not uh, writing from a Catholic viewpoint. So she herself is not a Catholic, so she doesn't necessarily you know, hold the views that we necessarily uh, advance in, uh, w regarding human dignity or uh, the uh, understanding of the human person. However, with that said, uh, she definitely is very clear in seeing that there are issues here that need to be addressed and there are some ethical concerns in how this is being handled uh, both in the uh, public sphere, in the sense of government, but also how physicians and, the, and healthcare are handling this issue and how we're now seeing it play out in the legal uh, environment. So, so she's been very much a, a, an advocate uh, of bringing these to the forefront uh, for these ethical issues to be discussed. So this is a case where she, uh, through her studying and her reading on these cases, comes across this particular one. And that's what caught my attention, you know, was this father. Now let me kind of explain, you know, uh, the father here uh, is Ted, uh, so, not, so not Tad, Ted. And so uh, what happens is this father, again, very much like Ms. Schreier, is not opposed completely to the issue of transgender ideology or transgenderism. So, and, so let's make sure also that we understand what that means before we go too much further. Sure. So transgender uh, uh, ideology or gender ideology basically can be defined as simply as this, Ted, is one that rejects the biological identity of being male and female and makes it into a relative term. Basically, it's based on emotion. It's based on how one observes oneself. And so that makes it something that can be today, a person can see themselves in one particular gender, tomorrow another, uh, or in some cases, no gender at all. It's very, very uh, much a, a fluid understanding of the human person. And so this is what we're dealing with here. So uh, Ted's son, his name is Drew. He's about 16 years old at the time this article was written. And he has uh, communicated to his mother, Christine, uh, who is divorced from Ted, uh, in this, uh, and so and says that he wants to advance, you know, from puberty blockers to basically taking, you know, hormones and so forth. And so the father, Ted, is concerned about his son. In the view of, of in his mind, become, in uh, Drew's mind, becoming uh, a female. Right, but exactly. So what he's also, in a sense, with that, that understanding is he's looking at the consequences of these issues. And so what he wants is to really is to 
put things on hold. Ted, Ted is looking down. at the consequences. Right. And yeah, he, he wants to see where his son is not you know, rushing forward. His mother, Christine, is not advancing this so quickly, and he just wants this to slow down. One, because Ted has been very uh, diligent in a sense of reading. He's been looking into what uh, is being uh, stated in you know, different journals and different uh, psychologists who are dealing with this issue, who are experts in the field. And so he just wants to see this slow down. Uh, and so he's not necessarily completely opposed to the idea, but he wants it slowed down. Because once a person starts advancing uh, this movement toward changing, quote, their gender, then what we're dealing with here is things that are irreversible. So it can cause issues of infertility, it can cause long-term long health issues, and this is what Ted is concerned about. And I think any parent rightfully should be concerned about. So that's where we find the father. But the story is very detailed that Ms. Schreier unfolds here, because the first thing that she recognizes, this goes back to around the year 2019, and this is when Christine, Drew's mother, um, her sister, had, there, was a, there was an attempted uh, murder, and so she, which she, as far as I understand from the reading, she survived. But from that point in 2019, Christine just kind of says to her husband, Ted, she wanted a divorce. And then this is when she announces, and by the way, your son Drew wants to change gender. And this is when this whole journey began and this battle. And the battle, and I use it very, uh, in a sense of a, using that word, because that's what it's become. It's become two opposing views, and the one in the middle really is, is Drew. That's caught in between what his mother is supporting and what his father is basically saying, slow down. Let's, let's, let's take a look at this. Let's be a little more uh, uh, slow in our pace. And so all of this now comes into a court eventually. And so, and ultimately Ted loses his parental rights. So he has no longer any say in his son's journey, in his son's decisions. He has no ability to even speak to his son. And this has all been done because he said, let's slow down. Let's take a break here for a moment and look at all the components. And so the reason why I addressed this article uh, and brought this article to bear was twofold, uh, Ted. One was just to keep people aware of the transgender ideology that is being advanced both in political and also in, in, in the medical uh, community, also in the legal community. I want people to be aware this is happening. And it's happening without people being really alert, especially parents. Parents need to be aware of what's going on in their school systems, what's being advanced in the classrooms, uh, and what's being told to their children and to their young adults that they're not being made aware of. And so uh, that's, the, that's one component. The second component is for us to be aware who are uh, advancing a pro-life cause in the sense of the defense of, the, of human dignity at every stage of life. And here what we're dealing with is an assault on human dignity. And, and people may not see it that way, but this is how we have to have this kind of, why we have to have this kind of conversation to make people aware of why this issue of transgender dysphoria and why this is something that we should be talking about. And that's why I approach this, because as people read the article, which I hope they will, and, and uh, realize how, what this story says, what it offers to us. So as I said, we have a family, a family that is now wounded and broken. We have within that broken family now another issue on top of it. So that we have a, a young man 
who is confused, and this is again uh, an important moment uh, to pause because this is what we've experienced, and even Ted found, you know, with a, a psychologist who is preeminent in this conversation, uh, and so is uh, uh, Mr. Zucker, or Dr. Zucker, right, probably. Yeah. Uh, and his first name is Zim. Dr. Ken Zucker. Ken Zucker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what, what uh, he does is he, he reads up on what Dr. Zucker is, is, is saying. And, and so as a result, the, he brings this to bear when he's meeting with different people that are intervening between himself, his son, his ex-wife, the court. And so you can already see this is a huge issue going on. Many, many people playing in this conversation. And, and so the moment that Ted expresses his concern, all right? So the court basically through the court representative says, oh, you, you're not for your son, you're, you're, you're discriminating against your son, you are not considering your son's best interest, and so eventually as it makes it into the court, he's removed. Now this is something, again, that should be cause for our parents who are listening, and grandparents, really all of us, but especially parents, because it, it really shows that the, the, those who are promoting this agenda are not concerned about families, or family values, or religious values, or even what science tells us. And that is, as Dr. Zucker points out, that in many cases, in many cases, it's about confusion. And that if we supply good counsel and guidance and give it time, these things resolve themselves. And so it's not necessary to, to move toward you know, these, these interventions that cause long-term impact. These things resolve. Right, and it's interesting you used the word irreversible earlier, and that would be the title of Abigail Schreier's major book on this subject in the case of, of, of uh, teenage girls wanting to, to become male. Um, right. It was called Irreversible Damage. Um, and, uh, but anyways, we should also be clear that not only is it not necessary in, 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 from this secular point of view of Dr. Zucker, but also that um, you know, for, as far as Catholics are concerned, we could never uh, condone that no. kind of uh, activity no. as, as, no. Uh, okay. as always contrary to the dignity of, of both human dignity and also the dignity of God and, and what he created to be exactly. the case. That's right, exactly, and that's why it's important because what's happening, you know, people often ask, you know, Ted, you know, how did all this even start? And so, again, obviously the time doesn't afford us the ability to go through this whole history, but if we just move back in time and look at the components of those who advanced the sexual, uh, the ideology of the sexual revolution. And so basically what we have here is another expression of that ideology moving forward. So it's, in a sense, uh, you know, stepping forward with that first, you know, uh, rejection of human sexuality as God intends this beautiful gift to be expressed and to be lived and to be, uh, to be celebrated in, in, the, in the dignity of marriage and its transmission of human life. And so the moment that we see any assault on those goods, then we can see how other assaults will naturally follow. So for us, you know, we, we can see that the assault on the transmission of human life through the uh, intrinsic evil of contraception. You know, that contraceptive mentality now migrates into an abortion mentality because one, we didn't want, you know, uh, the child to begin with, so we now have to find a means in which to, to have our desire fulfilled. And so we see how the whole abortion, you know, industry has now grown into where it is today. But we can also see how this plays out into the assault on marriage itself, which obviously contraception is. It's, it's an assault on the goods of marriage. And so 
what happens next is we go directly to uh, looking at marriage no longer as between one man and one woman, but now we can see it migrate into other ways of, quote, defining marriage. Now, not from a Catholic viewpoint, but from a secular viewpoint, it basically means if you just love someone, if you love them, you know, you can express yourself in any mean that you so desire. And love generally would mean sexual, uh, right. really self-gratification because it's not really obviously, um, right. maybe it's not obvious to people, but it's not actually about um, uh, sexual love is only truly loving the other in the case of where there's a possibility of generation to come from it and, and the way that God intended it with right which is biologically between a man and a woman, uh, one man and one woman for, right. for a period of a lifetime. But if it becomes based in, uh, in a sense of, of, of emotion, of feeling, of, uh, of a sense of, of, of only based in desire, in biological expression, and we can see how what that now creates. And mm -hmm. it creates this, basically, I can, I can uh, show that emotion or that feeling toward this person, and I can do the same thing with this person, and so, and I can move those around. And so basically what happens, it, it begins to move into the next issue, where we see where uh, the, uh, the same-sex uh, couples, and then of course we see that within the secular definition, where the, the court begins to legalize these, and then we can see where the next thing starts moving. And, and, and often people will say, well, what's next? Well, unfortunately, there is going to be a next, you know, because we, the, the slope that we stepped upon, we now continue to migrate further and further down. Mm -hmm. And so what we need to do in having this kind of conversation is what you just brought up. And of course, we won't have the time to do that today, but it's something we can come back and talk about is let's return. You know, our Lord, you know, in speaking, you know, about the issue of marriage, remember he was asked a question uh, about, you know, Moses gave, you know, permission for a writ of divorce. And I know we, I don't want to sidetrack into that, but it does help with this because and what our Lord says, but this is not how it was in the beginning. And so there is a tremendous amount of confusion about the dignity of marriage, about the goods of marriage, about the dignity of, of the human person, about human sexuality, about the purpose and beauty of human sexuality, and what it means to be male, and what it means to be female. And so there's a tremendous amount of narrative that's out there. And as a result, there's a tremendous amount of confusion and so especially when you have social media, you have the, the whole media industry, when you have the, 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 the whole narrative being advanced by those in positions of influence, controlling the narrative. And as Ted found out, when you go against the narrative, they just slice you off. They just remove you from the conversation. And that's what happened here, which is the other side of the equation, which, which means you know we're the ones that are producing uh, this podcast, we're going to use the podcast on our own website and through our own ability to, 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 uh, to advertise the, the podcast. But in some mediums, we will not be allowed to put this on. If we did, it would be removed because we're not speaking the narrative. We're not advancing the narrative of the day. And we would be labeled just like Ted, the father, was labeled, who, again, he was not opposed. He doesn't even share our views, really. Is, exactly. Is the thing. And neither would Ms. Schreier mm -hmm. in, 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 the, in the entirety of it. So our voice would be silenced. And, and so this is why we see this advancing so quickly, because those that are trying to raise the question and address the real medical issues and the very provable objective issues in this case, or in, in cases like this, are not being heard. Right. And so that is the danger that we are in right now. And so 
this is why it's important to, to do what we're doing, uh, Ted, and that is to talk about it. And uh, you know, we're not going to have time to resolve all the issues, but what we do have is an opportunity at least to prick the conscience of everyone who will listen, who will read, to give us a chance to say, what is this all about? Let me look into it. What does the church actually teach? What is the church promoting? Why does she teach what she teaches? Why does she have the stand that she does? You know, why, you know, is she, quote, opposed to this, uh, you know, this expression, you know, of, of people that want to just be happy and they just want to be able to love the way they want to love and they want to be able to live the way they want to live. The church is being, you know, discriminatory against these groups of people, which is all false. But only when you hear the other narrative and that's all you hear and that's all that you've been conditioned to hear, then of course what you're listening today, you know, listening to me in that, in that kind of environment, you know, I would be enemy number one. Why? Because, wait a minute, you are, you're speaking very much against and you're, you're discriminating against people, but that's not what the church is advancing. And anyone that reads church teaching, that's one of the first things that we learn very clearly is that we are not to discriminate. Why? Because we have respect for human persons. And at the end of the day, the person making that decision has a right to make that decision. However, that doesn't mean the decision is, is a moral decision in a sense of a good, of something that is good for them and human flourishing. So that's why the church involves itself in this, in this dialogue. Well, uh, look, Father, I, I just want to push for a moment, I, and I'm sure this is just the way you said things, but you said the person has a right to make that decision. I, th I don't think the person, I don't think we can say that there's an, a right to error, but that the person has uh, the free will to make a decision. God mm -hmm. allows it, but that's not, right. that doesn't mean that it's the, and I, I know you understand that. I just wanted to make that clear in the way yeah. we're talking, that uh, it's not, um, it's never the case that someone can, can we don't have the right to, to, to choose wrong, it's just that we have the ability to do right. that, right? Um, so, so yeah, but let's, I wanted to also, Father, delve into that. Um, we talked about this before, and I, I have a suspicion that it's why our video was not prevent, was, was prevented from, from being able to be released. Mm -hmm. So in this re-recording, I wanted to talk about this again. The, when we're talking about the Catholic teaching, and we know that um, it's not discriminatory, it's not intended to uh, take away any sense of human dignity, but rather mm -hmm. to protect and defend it, um, and uh, not to incite anyone towards... Uh, uh, you know, violence or or, right. or, or or abuse or any kind of even ill will towards anyone, um, but quite the opposite, rather, um, to protect and defend and uphold people mm -hmm. and help people with compassion. Um, I wanted to talk about the philosophical and, and theological basis of, of mm -hmm. this here, because we know that um, as Catholic teaching has um, which even goes all the way back to Aristotle, human beings are a composite of soul and body, correct? Mm -hmm. And part of that distinction then is that it's not like a soul in a body that is of a different, you know, category. It's the soul and the body are, are one in the sense of subsisting in each other, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I did some philosophy, so I, I, I don't want to get too... Um, technical with that here, but I just wanted to talk about how that man and woman have their their souls are in integrated into their body such that there's no switching back and forth. That's right. kind of that would be a, 
uh, a dualistic idea. Right. And so I wanted to see if you if you might yeah. expound upon that a little bit and explain why that is that is the maybe the reason why this is such a right. the it's, devil has a special concern for this. Well, I think issue. it's what we said in, in earlier and just kind of taking on because you, you gave a very good explanation of that. So it's and what's important is is, is people to see you know mm -hmm. why the assault is such an assault on the 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 inherent dignity of the human person mm -hmm. as you just explained. You know, because, you know, if we're promoting a dualistic approach to the human person, then what we see is, as we see here, we see a rejection, a rejection of that dignity, a rejection of this immutable dignity. It's an unchangeable dignity. Mm -hmm. and, and how the human person expresses himself or herself through male and female. And, and so this is something that is an unchangeable. And it's something that, that again, doesn't, doesn't, uh, and what I would want to say is it's not something that the individual can just you know, wake up one morning and say, this is what I, I want to be. It doesn't happen this way. But this is what's going on within this culture that has con continued to advance a very, not only a, a dualistic understanding of, of the human person, but with that, obviously, this relativistic approach as well, where everything is just relative, it's, it's subjective, and it's, it's always fluid. And so with anything fluid means it's arbitrary. But what God created is not arbitrary. What God created is something that is objective. It's, it's understandable and it conveys a truth. And so when we, again, re express this within who we are as human beings, as men, as women, there's, a, there's, a, there's an objective truth being expressed here. There is something about the individual and about the human, human person being expressed. And that is, what's being rejected in this philosophy or this ideology that we see in, trans, uh, trans, uh, in, in gender dysphoria and transgenderism or whatever title you want to give to it. And I think that's where the challenge is. And that's what causes so many people to get very um, defensive because they think that the church is not being respectful and, but of, of that individual and about of their dignity. But we are. And we're trying to do this uphold that good, uphold what God has created, what God has revealed to us about the human person. And so uh, I think that, that's what makes this so, so confusing to so many people because they hear one thing from the, the secular world and in some cases they don't even hear this within their own faith communities. And one of the only communities of faith that is really advancing this objective truth is the Catholic Church. There are others, but in a sense of strength and number, and our articulation, it really is the Catholic Church that is talking about this. And I, I really think that we just need to, 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 to not be afraid of talking about it and not be afraid of rejecting that falsification of those goods and not be afraid of, of having a, a public debate, which is really hard to do today because there is no, no debate, there's no conversation, there's no ability to have two rational people to have that kind of conversation because you're just denied opportunity. And so, the, uh, so I just would like to encourage you know, our listeners to, to read, to open up first of all the catechism and to read what does the church teach about the human person. So what you were bringing up, Tad, is, is laid out very beautifully within the catechism of the Catholic Church. Two, to also read what the church is saying today in light of that teaching. You know, the U.S. Catholic Conference of Bishops have been very good in talking about these subjects. We've also seen the Holy Father 
address these issues. We've seen the CDF address these issues, means the Congregation for Doctrine and Faith. So there are a lot of people who are, who are in authority, who are the teachers, the shepherds of the church, theologians, scientists, doctors, talking about this, and we need, to, we need to open our ears. We need to listen so that we can be better able to articulate you know, uh, the truth and to be able to, to confront the falsification and not be afraid of it. And at the same time, as you said, just to reiterate, is to always be respectful. At the end of the day, as we, we said earlier, you know, and it was the decision maker really is that individual w w within reason. But in, in the church, you know, the, person, the church may disagree, and obviously this person can have an erroneous conscience, they can have an erroneous understanding, uh, and so, but the decision maker, you know, our job is to help them to see it. Right, ultimately, we can't do anything to right. prevent anyone from doing anything, any of the thing, issues on which we disagree right. with them uh, at Human Life International or as Catholics or as pro-lifers, any pro-family activists, anything, but, um, you know, we're here to help. Right. We're just trying to give a message, that's right. and that's why it's such a strange um, reaction to, 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 to have that be considered hatred, right. um, when in fact it's just, um, yeah. at the very yeah. least, expression of an opinion, but in fact it's, it's charity. We're Correct. trying to express it's love. It's actually true love. Yeah. I mean, it's true love for the individual, and, and it's hard. You know, sometimes very similar to this situation with Drew, I mean, unfortunately, there has already been interventions done to this young man, mm -hmm. and and so and they may be irreparable now. The the, the path has begun uh, of of this so-called you know transition through chemicals and through alterations, and and this young man is will have a lifetime. And that's and I think the the thing too is we've seen so many people who started out on this path came to realize the, the harm and the damage, and you know stepped out of the lifestyle, but the consequences of, of physical and chemical and uh, alterations, and mm -hmm. uh, basically they're, they're no longer able to alter those realities. And so that has consequences, like for example, the issue of infertility. And mm -hmm. this was something that Ted, the father of Drew, was concerned about because that's what he was reading, that the moment we head down this path, then there's a possibility that, that, that Drew will never be able to conceive mm -hmm. you know, a child, and so uh, as a man. You know, to be able to, right. to, to help co-create, that will be gone. And that, and that concerned Ted, his father, and rightfully so. And this is also why the church intervenes too. As you mentioned, it's because we do care. There is a sense of concern for the well-being of the human person. And do no harm. And right. advance no harm. Cause no harm. And so I think we just need to, you know, uh, to... to uh, I, that's why I want to say, you know, uh, also it's important is to, to call out, you know, not say call out in the bad way, but to in, invite, to, to encourage, you know, our doctors, our nurses, our, our, the psychologists, those within the, in the health care and, and those working within Catholic health care, you know, to keep bringing these things to bear. And no matter how much people try to silence them, you know, or us, we need to keep coming forward because that's what's going to prevail. In the end, it will prevail because time is going to show us the very things that we also know in a similar way to the arguments about contraception, to the arguments about abortion that have been advanced. It doesn't cause harm, it's, it's good. It, you, know, you know, it's only the Catholic Church that makes women feel guilty. That's why you have post-abortive problems and, you know, and, and feeling shameful. Well, no, there's a lot more to that. And so that's all now coming, been out there, but it's coming more and more to the surface. 
And we're going to see the same thing here. We've already seen it, you know, but as time goes forward, we're going to see it far more. So we need to be primed to, to be there, to walk with someone through the journey. Right, because I, I think there's a, a, another important distinction to make here is, is between we have um, victims, essentially, confused people who mm-hmm. are exposed to these ideologies or these ideas. They have some kind of previous pain or suffering or, or uh, some reason to ha- have recourse to such a drastic right. and, and really unnatural uh, decision. And then there's another group of people that are the enablers and the pushers and the agenda setters who, who, who want this. Um, and I think, for example, in the article you mentioned the, the judge in this case was, was one of those types of people. Right. Um, uh, but so, so that's why it's very important to, I think, make that distinction. And, and the church really cares more about helping the victims uh, than, and we want to combat anyone who's taking advantage of them. But I don't uh, blame anyone. We, you don't blame anyone. No one blames anyone, really. I think at this stage, because uh, our culture is so confused and hypersexualized, I, I wanted to know, Father, if you you mentioned contraception. I, I have a suspicion that a lot of this has to do with an over, well, any exposure is 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 too much, but overexposure, hyperexposure to pornography, to, to fornication, masturbation, all these other um, hypersexualized. Uh, imagery and, and issues that, that affect us. I mean, I'm from a generation where that was kind of par for the course right. in, in, you know, a public school or any kind of environment. How much of that do you think is, is comes well, to bear here? I think you, you highlight it well because it, it is something that, that, that does affect. I mean, that's all part, you know, the, is basically the sooner that, you know, within, within those that are advancing, you know, this, this uh, agenda, mm-hmm. you know, the sooner they can have access. That's why parents who are listening and reading need to uh, find out what's happening in their schools. You know, what are teachers, are administration, uh, administrators in school, what are, they, what are they doing? What are the children hearing? Because it's interesting, I've traveled mm-hmm. enough to hear young people ask questions about some of this, and you're thinking, okay, how do they know about this? There, there's, there's, there, there's no way that they would be aware of this at the age that they are, uh, and, and, it's, and I'm talking about young uh, grade schoolers. You know that you know still are learning. You know how to brush their teeth, comb their hair, get themselves dressed, and so forth and so on. And yet they're going to use terminology that you know m- most adults you know don't, don't even know about. So someone is teaching them this. It's important for parents to to wake up and to realize it and to and, to get and, involved. And the school administrators, in many cases, are enablers. The part right. of that set that I was talking about, the agenda setters or the enablers, Correct. or the people taking right. advantage. For example, Loudoun County in, in Virginia, which is a state where HLI is headquartered. Correct. Um, I, last year, I believe, had some some issues with this. Uh, That's correct. Yeah. And like the judge you you, you brought up, you mm-hmm. know, there, she went to uh, courses, you know, mm-hmm. uh, workshops where again they're they're coaching, you know, people on, on language. So this is how we know it works through the media. It works through the judicial systems, the legislative system, <clears throat> executive uh, branches of government. And so we just need to realize that there's, a, there's a, a massive amount of energy pushing these various agendas, ideologies, philosophies. And for any of us who've been involved in, in the family and life apostolates, we, we're, we're not unfamiliar to this, this strategy. And it works. It's a top-down strategy, pushing down forcing upon changing laws, changing policies, working through school boards, you know, all the dyna- dynamics and processes they use, then, but we have to really also 
use those same things to be able to counteract, to, to really recognize. That's why we have to educate. And that's kind of the, that's why we do what we do, is to form, to educate, to inform, help people understand the issues, uh, to be uh, more articulate in those issues so that they in turn can go out and bear witness to others. And then those others can join in that great cause. And, and, I, and I think it's very important to do that. And, but the only way that that's gonna happen is if we as pastors of souls, you know, shepherds in the local churches, faith communities that share our, our, our beliefs and share our understanding, our, our anthropology you know, right, of the human person, then we together can advance, you know, pushing forward, fighting against the narrative, the agenda, not against individuals, but against those ideologies. As you said, sometimes it is an individual pushing it, but to really, to expose the lie, to expose the narrative, and expose those who are advancing the narrative, and why? What is their agenda? What, what's behind that agenda? Because like with Drew, there, you know, the, the, as we see here, the people advancing the agenda, we're not concerned about his family. They were not concerned about the well-being. Matter of fact, what we've we're seen- not concerned about him. No, but what they did is drive a wedge. They drove a wedge between Ted's father Ted's mother took advantage of that and then completely separated it. That's a, I mean, we know that this is something that is not right. So it's, it's wake up time, it's, it's, it's an awareness. And I'm very proud of many people uh, in the, uh, the public sphere, meaning a number of our legislators are engaged in this in the right manner. We have a number of those within the, the Christian folds of faith that are out there. We have a number of bishops within the Catholic fold that are very articulate on this. They are preaching about it. I've seen many pastorals written on this. I've seen actual framework and dioceses created to start addressing this in schools in the Catholic system, to start trying to form people in right, the right in, manner. In the article, you mentioned a, a Vatican document from 2019 on this right, issue. Right, and, and, that was, and it's a great document because what it did is, I mean, think about this, is the Congregation for Doctrine and Faith. So this is the, 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 the teaching arm of, of- Actually, I think that was the, oh, Congregation, sorry, was the Congregation for Education, for education. Catholic Education. There yeah. was a document put out by CDF and, and talking about this, but right. I'll make reference in the article. Sorry, thank yeah, you for yeah. that. <laughs> the one in the article is from the Congregation for Catholic Education. Uh -huh. and, and that's a very, again, it's another way that the church through these dicasteries, these congregations are speaking on these issues. So the point being is the church is talking and people in very high positions of authority are speaking. So, Including the Holy Father. Absolutely. He's been quite articulate absolutely. about this issue. You know, and, and that's actually been quite, a, in a sense, blunt in how he speaks about it. Mm -hmm. and, and so, which is, which is, again, he's talking about an objective truth. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what's in front of us. There is only male, there is only female. And so I, I, I'm just very happy that as difficult as this is uh, to talk about because it's very charged with emotion and it's very charged with families who are dealing with this. And the, even among our listeners, among our, our readership, there's no doubt within the families, there, there have uh, people that are struggling with this cross, with this difficulty, with this confusion. And they don't know what to do. They don't know how to speak to it. And they just think they have to go with the flow of it. And if they don't, then like in other situations, they're cut off you know, from their family, or they're told you won't see your grandchild, or you won't see your, your, your son or your daughter. And that's the leverage they use. And so people, again, you know, are trying to figure out how do I deal with this? So I would encourage, you know, our li listeners and our readership to, to look into what their local church is, is offering, to see what's going, what's what in our parishes, um, to be familiar with what 
is being promoted by the Congregation for Catholic Bishops in the United States, the USCCB, to go to the Vatican website, look at the Congregation for Education, or look at the Congregation for Doctrine and Faith, see what's being promoted, and just read. And, and, and obviously, all of us working together can push not only against, but we can also promote the cause for the dignity of, of people and to love each and every one of these individuals that are uh, dealing with so much and are burdened and are confused and are convinced that this is the only path or options that are in front of them. And lots of peer pressure out there and lots, especially when you have uh, textbooks and uh, policies all advancing. Well, I can't be wrong then. I mean, everybody, this is what they're saying is good. How can it be wrong? So you can see how the confusion just continues. So what we've done here is, as I mentioned earlier, is we talk about the impact on a family, and we talk about the impact that we see in society, which obviously impact each other. And so they overlap each other. So, but I, that's why I wrote the article, was really just to, to get the conversation, which I've, I've written on this numerous times, and because it is the current issue, along with the other issues that are still ongoing, you know, with abortion, with contraception, with euthanasia, physician-assisted suicide, uh, the whole st embryonic stem cell research, all that is still happening. And that's why we can't take our eyes off. You know, you can't take your eyes off of one and jump over here. We have to keep our eyes on all of it. But this is the hot button right now. This is one that's moving very quickly, and we just need to be aware. Right. Well, thank you very much, Father. I, I think you pretty much covered everything there, so we can basically close with that. But um, uh, yeah, I, I thank you just for your message of, of uh, kind of galvanizing to try to push back in all the various ways, legislative, educational, et cetera, uh, against the enablers and this agenda. Uh, and then kind of on the other side, really with compassion and utmost charity, helping these individuals who are confused and, and hurting. And, and before we close, if I would just encourage, we, 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 we need to pray. Mm -hmm. We need to really pray for families. We need to pray for healing within families. You know, situations like uh, uh, Ted, Christine, Drew is not, you know, an, unfortunately it is becoming norm in so much of our society, the, yeah. the woundedness of our families, the, the brokenness of our families. So we need to pray, you know, and, and even some of our listeners and our readership or come from such difficult situations. And, and so we need to, you know, like you said, I like that word galvanize. We also need to galvanize in prayer. We need to unite in prayer. John Paul talked about this so beautifully in Evangelium Vitae, this what he called the great campaign in support of life. But I would add within that great campaign is the campaign to prayer, to unite in prayer, to unite in sacrifice for others, to do all that we can to be of support uh, not affirmation of, of, of those that are that is not good, that's immoral, that's not what we're saying, but to advance that we are, as you said, we're here because we care, we love, we offer compassion, we offer tenderness in that journey, and you know, we offer our help. And the church is there, always has, and will continue to be. So I think that's a good way you know, for us to, to encourage. I always think it's important when we talk about very difficult, very highly charged, is to return back, there is hope. And the hope is that God is with us. The hope is that truth sets us free. And that, in a sense, love, using a common phrase, love does conquer. It can conquer when it's done as God would have us do. So let's not be afraid. Main thing, do not be afraid. The difficulty can be overcome. 
enough said. Thank you so much, Father. It's good to be with you again here. And um, thank you, everyone, for watching. Uh, please like the video, subscribe to the channel, and uh, keep on living the culture of life. God bless.